0: Good morning. Welcome to the Gathering Place podcast. I am Pastor Todd. This week, Pastor Byron is preaching a message to edify the church. I hope you are edified as well. And now, Pastor Byron. I just want to reaffirm in my life and all of our lives, when we get in his presence, all fear is gone. When we get in his presence, hope may be found. When we get in his presence, healing has come. When we get in his presence, your love is being known to us. And we get in his presence, forgiveness made known. God bless you guys. I hope that was meaningful to all of you. You can go to your class now and enjoy the rest of the day. But, God's presence is here. Uh, it, it's, it's a place where the gathering together of his children come together to actually meet in his presence. Now, I, I wrote this off, but here's where I jogged it down to say as, as the Holy Spirit was giving me these words for us as the body of Christ. Us as the body of Christ. Father, we thank you, Lord, We thank you, Lord, that you're here with us in a very real way. And, Father God, we thank you for the suddenlies of our lives, Father God, because they they come when we least expect it, and there you are for us and not against us. You're an amazing God. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for saving me, and that we could experience your grace and love in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> We're finishing Second Timothy chapter 4. And, uh, and, and it's very interesting what God has for us here. In verse 2, talking to all of us who carry salvation in our lives, and we carry Jesus in our lives, and we've been given the Holy Spirit to be actively present in our lives. It says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage, with great patience and careful instruction. That's, a, that's an amazing word that Paul would give to this young man Timothy, and and you know what? And 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 we need to get it right. We need to get it right. It talks about you know being ready in season and out of season. You never know who you're going to meet. You don't know who you're gonna meet to today. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I met this guy at uh, uh, at the Chase Bank, and uh, and I just put a question to him because they have on a, Chase Bank has this little questionnaire, and wow. they say, you know, the last one was, when did Tasty Freeze get come into being? I forgot the answer. I think 1984 or something like that, and so. Uh, when I asked him, I said, I have a question for you that needs to be answered. And he said, what's that? This one? I said, no, not not the one here. I, 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 I can guess at that one, but I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. What is weightier or more important, that you love God or that God loves you? And you know, what? And, it, and it stopped him in his tracks. And he kind of stared at me, and, and I knew I knew he was thinking this one through. Wait, what? What is more essential—that I love God or that God loves me? And then he then he said, he looks at me, and he says, you know, you know what? I think the real truth is to fully engage in knowing that God loves me. And I said, yes, and that sets us on a journey. That sets us on a journey of life and life more abundantly. <clears throat> but then it says it, it says it, it in, in in the in the people we meet in the body of Christ or outside, is correct, correct their thinking. Rebuke them, and, and that sounds like a strong word, but but that's like saying that's wrong, this is right. And that says, and I love the last one with all encouragement, encouragement, and then with great patience and careful instruction. You know, Nancy and I spent seven years cooking dinners for a bunch of people we didn't know that would just be coming in our house like, man, coming in our house, and coming in our house. And, And really one of the things that they were going through was they were affected by Christians that might not have done correct, rebuke, and encourage in just the right way. Because when we're talking to people and we're instructing people and we're showing people, it has to be out of a heart that is just full of God's love, full of God's love. The person that you're talking to has to know that God loves you, and you're a reflection of that to them, that God loves them also. That's good encouragement to start off that chapter. But then next, verse 3 and 4, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. You know what? Uh, Before Jesus comes and as he's approaching his coming and he is coming, that that you know, we're experiencing that even in the church, even in the church are gathering themselves people that do not apply the word correctly. They, they, they get people and they put people in position to say what they want to hear, not what God wants to say. And, and it, it's happening all around us. God preserve this church that we will always speak the truth in love. Amen. You know what? The truth in love. May we be a church that will always want to have our ears to hear truth with love. And it, and, it's, uh, and, and I, love, I love the word turn aside to myths. What's a myth? It's something that sounds good, but it's totally not true. Makes you feel good, but not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Then he goes on to say, "But you and I, I, you know." And he's talking to Timothy, but he could be talking to each of, every one of us in the room. But you, but you, keep. Your head in all situations I'm stop there. Don't you and I have times when things start to happen and your minds get spinning and out of your mouth may come actually not the right thing Amen. at that moment at that moment you, you you get, you, you, you're, you get wrapped up in, all, in the situation in yourself and not in the one that loves you. And, it's a, and it says, keep your head in all situations. You know, as I was sitting there waiting and enjoying the worship and everything else and, and then sitting there enjoying all of God's presence and what he was doing, I had a saved prayer. I said, Lord, my heart, my desire is to keep the mind of Christ actively working in my mind. That my spirit would be affirming and declaring my thought life. Because uh, endure hardship. Endure hardship. It's a, it's, it. That's kind of saying to you and I, when we got this plan, we think we got God in the center of it, and it's not coming out like our plan. Things just aren't working out like our heart, our desires, our thoughts. And it says, that's a time to endure, or stay steadfast, keep on the goal. Keep on the promises, Though the promises you've received from God. Although they're not coming, you stand firm and stand, stand sure in all that He is to you and I. So He's saying, endure it. In other words, hang in there. Hang in there. The story's not over. <clears throat> I'm gonna take a little break from this. At this, and uh, uh, I wasn't gonna go here, but I'm gonna go here. Yeah. Uh, uh, in, in the book of Esther, we all know, we talked about it a little bit this morning. In the book of Esther, God's name is never mentioned. Not a word. Not a word. Yet, God was operating and fully engaged in the events that were taking place. Israel was in bondage and captivity. Ah, uh, Mordecai took care, of his, took care of Esther, and you' are at such a time as this. and, she, and she, one of the instructions that Mordecai gave Esther, "Whenever you go to the king, don't let him know you're a Jew, because God is working behind the scenes. He's, he's actively working, even though his name is never mentioned. So we know, we know that one of the other queens uh, jaded the king. He said, you come. No, nah, I'm not coming. So, he, so then Esther found an opportunity to come before the king. King not knowing, not knowing, not even any clue that Esther actually was a Jew. And what happened? The plans of the enemy, Haman, that hated the Jewish people, that wanted Mordecai hung, the suddenly happened. The suddenly happened. And the children of Israel, even though they've already kind of intermingled with the gods of that time, were delivered. By the hand of God, even his name never mentioned. I want, to you, I want to encourage you all. God is working in your life, whether you see it or not. God has people coming alongside you and me, and we have no clue. Be assured, God is working behind the scenes. I think that whole book of Esther is about a God that's working when people had no idea he was working. So endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. <clears throat> uh, some people say I should start a class on evangelism here. But do the work of an evangelism. You know, and, and that's really basically not being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Being able to articulate and talk about what's precious to you, what's precious to you. And some people will say, you know, that's really hard. Well, it, it may seem hard, but it sh- it's what it should be, evangelism should be an overflow of what's actually happening in your life. You know, I, I'm, I'm seeing people healed. I'm seeing people deliver. I'm seeing, I'm seeing myself. Man, I can go back to myself. You know, twice with cancer. And, and different things, and, and I, 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 sometimes I go back in my dreams, God reminds me that even before I was a Christian, I almost died twice time. Once, trying to learn how to fly an airplane, I almost crashed it. Another time, driving my brother's motorcycle, and me and a car collided. And I flew over the car and crashed my head on the pavement. Lucky I had a Helmet doctor said, you weren't wearing a helmet, it'd be a whole different story. And that was all before I became a Christian. And then I gave my life to Christ. And then he started, he started moving in my life and changing my life. The first, thing, the first thing that happened in my life when I gave my life, I'm I'm being an evangelist. <laughs> first thing that happened in my life was, I ran to the, I drove to the farm, not run to too many miles, I drove to the farm stayed there until I read the whole New Testament. And then, then God saw it, and he, he, behind the scenes, he, he brought, my, brought me to a, a grade school, a Christian grade school, where they made me memorize and memorize and memorize, and I hated it. Because I, 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 I would just talk about fear. All fear is gone. I'd have to go before the class and recite the, the verses that I'd memorized, and, and I so much didn't want to be a failure, I would get so worked up, my mind would go dead, and I'd uh, start stumbling all those over those verses. But when I gave my life to Jesus, when I gave my life to Jesus, I drove to the farm, started with Matthew, and read the whole New Testament, and guess what? I started bumping into all those verses as a, as a youngster that was made to memorize. And I would see those words. I'd say, wow, that's what they mean. God, that's what they mean. But I I start seeing them in context. And I start seeing them as as a a newborn child. And all those words became rich to me. and And every time I'd come to those memory verses that I memorized as a child, I'd stop and I would cry. I'd say, God, I so missed it. I so missed it for so many years and now you're revealing yourself to me. I can see who you are. I can see these words and the application of these words. I see how they're affecting my life. And the first, you know what? God was so gracious to me because I had a real problem with my dad. I had a really problem with my dad. I mean, him and I would have it out. And and. Uh, because I wanted my my way, and he was trying to show me God's way, and I was in opposition to that. But now I spent five days reading the whole New Testament, and I thank the Lord, because the first thing he did to me as a believer was go to my dad and say, Dad, I love you. Dad, I love you. Words that could never come out of my mouth, except for Jesus, except for Jesus, so he says, the word, and, and discharge at, and or fulfill some versions use all the duties of your ministry. you know what it's it's um, back to not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ I'm a pastor here Todd's a pastor here my my Nancy's a pastor here. But you know what? You're all part of the kingdom. You're all part of the kingdom. Never get tired of who you are. Hear that? Never get tired of who you are. You are blessed. You are forgiven. You are loved. You you have been made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. The gift of righteousness is yours don't focus on your failures. Focus on everything that Jesus did when he went to the cross. Jesus paid the price. And to have you and I welcome in that we can call our Heavenly Father our Abba Father. That we can call him, give him right place in our life. That he is our Father. He is our Father. And you know what? And if he's your father, and if he's my father, my father you know what? That is the, becomes the power to love people. I got, you know, I, I, I had an amazing father growing up, but I got a father like no other father, psh, bar none. And I have been adopted into his family, and I am a child of the living God. I am a child of the living God. and and being that child and being that representative here on earth, I'm willing to say, God, use me. God, use me. God, use me to be light in the darkness, to be light in the darkness, to fulfill the duties of all of your ministry. Now there's, he touches another part here in this last chapter, that, you know what, to be a Christian, you will have opposition, from within, and from without. And And I, I say myself, you know, sometimes, you know, when you get opposition from within the body, that's a little hard to take, but not impossible. When you get opposition out of the body, that's hard to take also. But you're hoping, it's opening up a ministry. How can I lead this opposer to know Jesus? So it goes on like this. Alexander, the metal worker. Ah, Peter, we're metal workers, aren't we? Metal stampings, right? Uh, did me great deal of harm. And the Lord will repay him for what he has done. Now, I'm glad it doesn't stop there. One thing, guess what? We are allowed to talk to God about people that hurt our feelings. We're okay. It's okay. It's okay for Paul to give that instruction to Timothy. If somebody hurts you, that you're okay talking to God and say, Yo, know, man, God, you know this 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 guy Alexander. Lord, you will repay him for what he has done to me. You know what that says? You don't have to do anything. That God probably has a much much better plan for that person that hurt you than your plan. So, right. So the Lord. Then he says, and then he says, uh, and he says, uh, you too should be on your guard against him, warn him, because he strongly opposes our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it, may it not be held against them. That's key. That's key. Paul must have learned from Jesus on give it over to God, bless those who persecute you, do good to those who say all evil against you. You know, and, and that's, really, that's really not the natural. Or flesh motivation, but that's God's motivation, and and guess what, He loves the people that hurt us. I say it again, He loves the people that hurt us. So when we come into these situations, it's really it's okay to say, God, He hurt me. God, he, he's, he's messing with my life. God, he stole from me. God, he cheated me. God, he did this to me. But I'm giving it over to you and saying, God, in your mercy and grace, may it not be held against them. Oh, That's opening up. That's opening up God to work in the lives of the people that hurt us the most. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do that? No, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's important to go through that process and think through that process and leave vengeance or in the hands of the Lord. And guess what? For this metal worker, Alexander, we don't have any record whatever happened to him but we, 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 uh, we know from the word of God that Alexander was loved by the Father. Let him, let him do what you and I will probably not do correctly. <clears throat> Let me see here. You know what? Um, I don't have my Bible here, but we, Nancy and I, we skipped the verse. I know, I know it's missing here, but we skipped it. But, but uh, uh, Paul talking to Timothy talked about how um, he described it, uh, his, his opposition and things as a lion. As a lion. And, that, and, and that's a descriptive descriptive of who's the one that we fight. You grabbing that verse twilight see you're going like crazy. You have it? Yeah, it's in it's in second it's, And I can look at it up here at the same time you guys look at it. It it's very talks about, you see it there? Guess what? We be thankful in all things. Even when we don't even get all the verses down. No right? <laughs> so anyhow, while she's looking that one up, uh, he, he, descri- he describes uh, the people that, that are, are causing him heartache. And he's saying behind it, Behind it is like like, uh, like, a lion. And so that drew me to look at First Peter, where, it's, where it actually defines the enemy, the devil, right? He defines it. Be, he's going, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Is it up there? All right. Problems are like a roaring lion for someone to devour. And when, when is that moment right? When is that moment? Opportun- you know, I'd like to tell you something about the, our enemy, the devil. He's an opportunist. And we know this because when Jesus faced him in his trials in the desert, uh, we oftentimes we say victory, and he said he had victory in the word. he spoke the word back to the enemy, but so, people don't go on sometimes to read what happened after that happened. It says he left him waiting for an opportune time he 's an opportunist he 's an opportunist now, in context of what we 're looking at, looking at when when would be an opportunity for him to come in like a roaring lion seeking to devour you and me. One of those times is what we just talked about, when we're offended. When somebody hurts us, we can take it personal or immediately declare it to our Heavenly Father and give it to Him. the opportunist, and he waits for our weakest moments and you know what i'll tell you i'll tell you when when we hear when we hear hurtful words and things like that especially from believers and family and outside the family you know that that's a, that a, that time where we can say either take the god road or take the flesh road and determine did you find that verse is it up there but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that though th- through me the messenger might be fully procl- the messenger might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. And was delivered from the lion's mouth. See that? Delivered from the mu- you know we we uh, you and I guess what he's such an opportunist, and he's a master liar. And he also waits for times of weakness in you and I. He waits for times of weakness in you and I. And, and he, he's a, that's why the Lord's prayer, he says, deliver us from evil. That's a legitimate thing. You ask God to deliver you from evil in Jesus' name. So, so he goes around and re, instead, instead, Resist him standing firm in faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Key, key. When we're at our weakest moment and the enemy comes out and he uses people to speak evil, at that moment, at that moment, I want you and me to think it's time to resist. It's time to resist. It's time to say no. It's time to put that whatever's going on, that hurt or whatever's going on, actually putting it in God's hands and saying, I, Father knows best. He knows how to do it. He knows how to do it. But how, how, what helps us? What helps us, you and I to resist? What helps us to resist? It's getting a bigger picture than yourself. Hear that? How, how do you resist? Get a bigger picture beyond yourself. That's what Peter's saying here. He's saying when that words come, and they're hurtful. And you, you you have all these feelings flying up in your heart and your spirit. Resist them and take time. He has no clever tricks. He uses the same stuff over and over and over again. He's a master at it. He, he uses the same stuff. Stop for a moment. Resist, but... Just to say, "Mm, I'm going to stand with God right here. I'm going to stand firm. That's not, that's really not, it's okay, but it's not enough. If, in fact, in fact, when you and I are hurt by people and the words they say, in fact, if we take the resistance and say, start praying for people you don't even know that are going through the same thing. Ooh, that gets it off me. That, that en- enters me into kingdom work. That, en- that puts me as a light to the earth and, and a well of water to, to the earth. And that puts me in the position for God to work on my behalf over what might be very hurtful by the word spoken over me. You follow that? Resist, but immediately start praying for other believers that are going through the same thing. Be assured they are. You're not the only one getting hurt by people. It's a much bigger picture. It's a much bigger picture. It's not about you. It's about the enemy that's going, roaming around the whole world seeking whom he may devour. Isn't that a high level thing to start praying for other believers that the enemy is trying to gobble up? I love that word about millions ah, reaching out. It's, it's you know, that's a big picture that Joe shared with us. But guess what? When you do what he's saying here, when you're in a tough spot, start praying for other believers that are going through the same thing, that's a big picture. That's a big picture that you are having the opportunity to move into. Unfortunately for myself, and I'm sure for you guys, that's not always the world we take. But in our greatest failures, God is saying, You're my son, you're my daughter. And never moving from that position. Even though we might be down on ourselves, even though maybe we didn't right, do it right, maybe we lashed back, we should have turned it over to God, and we didn't do things the right way. I want you to remember you're the son the daughter of the Most High who has not your interests but the interests of others all in his heart to reach out to. Then it goes on to say but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. So that though, although, and, and so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed to all the Gentiles might hear it, and I was delivered. Oh, that's the verse. Oh man, I hit. That's what Nancy did. Uh, she reversed the order on me. I right, so so there. It's, oh wow! Right in front of my eyes. I, there it is. Uh, <laughs> see how see how you got the pastor didn't get fooled. In my mind, it was the other way around. Doing the Timothy verse and then doing the Peter verse, but it works. It works okay anyway. So that uh, that I might be delivered from the lion's mouth, which we already learned now, and the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to the heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, see, have God help you and me see beyond the circumstances. Going back in closing, going back to Esther. The general public of the Jewish people in captivity had no clue. None. That one of theirs, one of their own, became a queen in the court. They never knew what God was up to. In some cases, they never knew how the enemy was trying to shut it all down. They never knew. And in that whole whole book, God is never mentioned his name is never mentioned in Esther. But boy, we see the God working behind the scenes. They never knew until the, the king made a proclamation that set a whole people group free. When the Lord sets free, is free indeed. In closing, I just want to encourage you as the Holy Spirit gave me words to that song that in his presence, I want to encourage you and me, stay, stay in his presence. All fear is gone. In his presence, whether you're alone in a room, whether you're in a gathering of Christians, in his presence, all fear is gone. In his presence, his presence, acknowledging his presence in in our lives 24-7, hope may be found. In his presence, in his presence, healing has come. The work has already been done. By his stripes, we were healed. In his presence, in his presence, his love is being made known. On your behalf and all the other people that you're meeting with, in this presence, key. And I I, I didn't make the order. The Holy Spirit made the order. Forgiveness made known. You, You and I need to be walking in a life where God can correct us, lead us, and guide us. For now in Christ, there is no condemnation. You're hearing condemnation. It's not from your Heavenly Father. You're hearing correction, guidance, direction, things that sharpen you up. It's from your Heavenly Father. Don't live your life with Jesus with the chains of condemnation. Amen. Amen. God bless you all as we worship Him. Thank you, Dustin. This is Pastor Todd. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I pray the Lord uses today's message by Pastor Byron to strengthen your walk with God. If you were blessed by this message and would like to support the ministry of The Gathering Place financially, I encourage you to use our online giving portal at tgpchicago.org. Our portal uses PayPal's secure site, so none of your information is compromised. Once again, thank you for tuning in to the Gathering Place podcast. God bless you, and have a great week.